0: I'd rather be lucky than good, but in the long run, I would rather be business savvy and smart than lucky, right? Because that will sustain you in the long term. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about
1: creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wild Creation. I'm your host Todd Dexter. I'm excited to have Chris Collins. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing
0: incredible. Thanks, Todd. I really appreciate being on here. This has been <laughs> a consistent, out. consistent podcast since what 2017. You've been on here, so yeah. I really am honored to be on here. Thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm excited to have you on. Uh, you and I got to know each other a bit back in probably 2017. Uh, right around there. Uh that's when you were first really getting into real estate. Uh, well, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that is that
0: that's right. So I made the decision to get into real estate in 20 late 2014. Okay. And okay. then spent a couple of years learning and then about yep. single families. And then we got in touch about investing in multifamily.
1: Multifamily. Yeah. That's when you start first started like looking at not looking at, but investing in multifamily. And then from there, man, you have done a lot. So it's it's pretty impressive. So let me uh, give our listeners a bit more about your background, but and and then I want you to really dive into some details. But uh, Chris, he's the managing partner at Amity Cashflow. Uh, he's invested in co and co-owned over 2700 multifamily units worth over 300 million across six different states. Uh, And here's a cool little uh, thing about Chris. He's got a background in the Hollywood entertainment business as a producer and editor. And uh, and you use those skills too in just your your real estate journey as well. So in the business skills that you've created as well. So I love that. Um, And I love your authenticity. You mix both your... Uh, Hollywood entertainment kind of career business with your real estate investing and how you educate people, how you bring uh, investors uh, you know, into kind of your sphere. So that's really cool. I know you've been on a bunch of podcasts and been a speaker on stages and it's been fun to, to know you and to watch your journey. So with that said, Chris, give our listeners a bit more about your background and, and we'll dive in here.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty good synopsis. Um, I realized I needed to start investing in real estate coming out of a a job in the entertainment industry where everyone gets paid pretty well, right? In the TV, Hollywood industry, uh, you know, it's rare someone's making under a hundred thousand a year. And so mm-hmm. What most of us do in the industry, the industry, the entertainment industry, is you make a lot of money and then you spend a lot of money. Yeah. And you don't create any kind of future for yourself. It's all freelance. You work job to job. But there's consistent work around the year. So you're constantly making money. But there's no training in the long term wealth, there's no training in retirement, there's no education around finances, everyone figures it out for themselves or doesn't figure it out. And I've always been pretty financially savvy and aware and focused on finances much more than probably a lot of people in the TV industry. So yeah, I was realizing, look, I gotta make something happen where I don't have to work every day the rest of my life. And I would constantly have conversations with people about what they're doing. And I had this one pivotal conversation. I got to say, I'll tell you the story. I was talking to an editor who was in his 60s, mid 60s. And I said something about, yeah, you know, I'm trying to figure out this whole retirement thing, what I'm going to do. And he goes, yeah, I got to figure that out. <laughs> <And> I basically <laughs> looked at my watch. I was like, when were you planning on doing it? You're 60 something. Okay. When was that going to happen? So it was this like smack upside the head of, okay, Chris, don't be this guy, right? Don't wait to figure it out. And I didn't even know this term, but what I needed was assets that I could own that would pay me whether I was working or not. So I had money in the stock market at that time, but I had to figure out, yeah, I got to get into real estate was all I you know was kind of the simple I got to figure out a way that I can own houses that will pay me each month and that was the yep. simple beginning of it that was the whole genesis uh it wasn't that complicated I just had a conversation that I was like I don't want to be this guy so that's where it started at least
1: you had the awareness to say that and be like all right th- there's something going on here like this, this isn't the way to go this guy is literally should be retiring tomorrow And he hasn't figured it out yet. I don't want to be that guy. I think a lot of people are like a lot of people see that guy. They hear that guy and they go, Oh, Oh, it's no big deal. Like I haven't figured it out. This guy hasn't figured out no big deal. Right. You went, Oh, wait a second. This is a big deal. I got to figure something out here.
0: Yeah. And I've always been pretty ambitious and I, you know, people talk about their why, and my why has always been to achieve my potential, right? Like I don't want to leave anything on the table when I die. I want to know that I went as hard as I could for everything. And knowing that, okay, I have the awareness that that shouldn't be me. Now I got to figure out what to do about it. Mm -hmm. And once I figured it out, oh, I should be investing in real estate. It was then a matter of like, well, how do I, what does that mean? You know, how do I I invest in real estate? and i was smart enough fortunately not to just start buying stuff i think a lot of people just buy something and they go well figure it out yeah and i'm like well i've always been the slow and steady figure it out before you start deploying money at something smart um they say there's that what ready fire aim principle right like just do it and figure it out and i've always been the ready ready are we ready first okay cool now aim Aim, hold on, before we aim are we really sure we're ready okay now let's aim okay now aim and then fire and that's really what I do with real estate I spent a couple of years learning it from scratch learning all about lending learning about returns learning about the numbers learning about the one percent rule you know bigger pockets was I don't know how long it had been around since then but it wasn't around that mm-hmm. long so I was yeah. diving in at that point spending every waking minute that I wasn't Specifically, editing, I was learning about real estate. I mean, morning, noon, at night, and, you know, gave up a lot of my quote unquote free time to do it, but it's paid off in a huge way. You know, I mean, I've grown significantly since then, but yeah, it was a decisive action that I was going to take and to go, go in and make it happen.
1: You went single family to start with. Why did you? why didn't you just keep that route? Why did you pivot and decide you're going to start buying multifamily? What made that switch?
0: You know, I tell people you can make money any way you want in real estate, as long as you pick one and focus. And I thought that the way I was going to do it was to buy turnkey rentals. So I was going to focus all on my editing career, editing TV shows, producing, and just funnel money over into real estate. And so I bought a couple of those and I would say they were fine. And perhaps if I would have stuck with just that course, it would have all worked out. But I think what you learn of owning passive houses, single families, is that there are a lot more work than they should be. And it's very hard to scale single-family houses. You have to have a new down payment for every one of them. Every house is its own headache. Even when you have a full-time property manager, they're still calling you about things or you're calling them about things that you catch on the paperwork when you look at the end of the month. So it seemed like owning those was going to take a while. And like I said, I kind of have this think big mentality, reach your potential mentality. And I started learning about apartments, and I realized, oh, with apartments, you have this huge economies of scale where you get to be an owner in this massive machine that's generating tons of revenue, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on, on some properties. And there's full-time management. It runs like a machine. Everything is systemized. You know, every unit is pretty much the same. So when you know something breaks in unit 12, it's the same as unit 15 and unit 200. So they just send the maintenance guy over there to fix it the same they would each every unit so there's not that question mark of what's going on and once i realized that i started diving into that and i felt like that was more of a business i felt like single family homes was uh, it's it's like a way to try to make money and i felt like investing in apartments felt like when you invest in a big business on the stock market, you're investing in Tesla, Apple, these are huge machines that are running. Well, that's how apartments felt like to me. And with the amount of focus that the operators put on them and the full-time property management. So that kind of made my pivot over to there. And that's what I've been pursuing ever since. And I've been really hyper-focused on multifamily um, ever since I invested in my first few properties, one of which being with you.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, was that the first one? No, that was my second, second second
0: investment in syndication, yeah. Okay. So okay. for all those who don't know, Todd's been in this game a long time, and I was always impressed with, Todd, your ability to have your, – your focus was wide in that you understood and were involved in all elements of real estate, but you were hyper-focused on making apartments successful. Um, and you were – gracious, you probably don't remember this, but I was in my phase of learning – and I would pick up the phone and call anyone that would take my call. I would call presidents of banks. I would call anyone I heard on podcasts and I would just ask these open-ended newbie type questions. Yeah. And what I, I called you about something about construction, I think. Um, and you had said something on podcasts, podcast and I just figured, Hey, I'll open up the conversation with that and ask you a question about that. And it turns out you were already operating apartments and had an opportunity for me to invest in a property in Kentucky with you. So great decision on my part, a blessing for me on your part that you would take the time. So you've always been really generous and giving of your time. And I've honestly, you're one of the people I've taken that into my investing now. And I try to help people along the way the same way. If anyone ever needs a conversation, I'm there to help out and give my time if I can.
1: Well, cool, man. I appreciate, I appreciate the shout out. And I've noticed that about how you're carrying your business. Um, what I see is you're always giving of your knowledge of your time. Um, you're speaking on stages, you're, you're just, you're giving whatever you can back, which is, I think, not only awesome by allowing other people to learn, but it it comes back to you, doesn't it? Like, do you feel like what you give comes back to you? Probably more than what you give away.
0: Know that's actually something I learned from Robert Kiyosaki. It was give what you want to receive. So if you want to get love, give love. If you want to get money, give money. If you want to get help, give help. And I've really adopted that in my life. And it's kind of, I mean, it was kind of happening before I read that, but when I read that, it really made a lot of sense. And so ever since then I try to give more, I try to donate more. I try to buy things for other people. And it's to your point it's it's just genuine like i just want to do that and i don't have like a a dollar figure i'm trying to get a return or i don't have a specific yeah. something i'm trying to get back but i know that if i live in that world of giving and positive outward that i can kind of operate in a sense like look i'm doing my best to help everyone my world will be okay you know i will make enough money i will you know buy the next good property or something like that so Yeah, Yeah. I definitely agree. I think that the more you give, the more you'll receive. But you can't be in that attitude. You You can't can't have that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's key, right there. Is that you can't have that expectation. Like the, especially you can't have the. Well, I gave. I'm not getting back. This is ridiculous. I'm gonna be. I'm I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Like you can't have that. I I've seen that from people. Like, whatever. I helped that person out. They didn't do anything in return for me. It's like. Was that if that was what it's about, like you you did it with poor intentions.
0: And, and it, it reads honestly, like you can read right through that. When someone yeah. does that and they have that look, like, huh? Are you gonna give it back? It's like that's not and you yeah. can see I think when people are genuine, and I get that feedback all the time, and I know you do as well. It's like yeah. you're a genuine person that cares about others. That shows forth as that's primary. The rest of life will happen around it. But if you're not out right. there to be a good human and help the world and help the people around you, then I don't know. It gets very suffocating very quickly, I think.
1: <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Should you have started... Well, you talk. You t- said earlier, you're, you're ready, ready, ready. Aim. Wait a second. Are we ready? Are you sure? You know, aim, aim. All right, fine. We're going to... All right, let's fire it up. Should you have... Is that okay? Like, is that a good approach? Do you recommend that to other people? Or do you say... I, I just did it wrong. I should have fired earlier. Like I took too long. What, what's your thought on that?
0: So I'll tell you a story. I was investing in houses and investing in some apartments at that point. And I had a, I was still working in the TV industry and one of my editors that was working next door to me heard what I was doing. And he goes, "I oh, I just bought a house. I'm like, cool. It was like an investment property. And he goes, yeah it's it's down the street from my mom's house in in long island or long yeah i was like oh cool how how are the numbers look and he goes the what i'm like well the numbers like how are the numbers like what are the returns what's your And he goes i mean i well it's almost covering my mortgage every month. like uh, so the rents that i get they almost cover my mortgage and it's down the street from my mom so like i could see it once in a while and she can keep an eye on it so i think that's pretty good and i went oh well do you have money factored in for your capex or anything cap what is capex oh okay what are you know your insurance or maintenance or anything like that um well it almost covers the mortgage so (laughs) so i saw that and i went look there is a way to just jump in and put money into something and figure it out because maybe that property for him increased in value in a huge way because of the area but I would say that that's luck more than skill or focus. And yep. for me, I don't know that there's a right or wrong because I'd rather be lucky than good. But in the long run, I would rather be business savvy and smart than lucky, right? Because that will sustain you in the long term. So for me, that's how I learn. That's how I like to do things. Uh, I'm a musician, I'm a drummer. And part of that is you just have to put in the time and put in the effort and play your drums a lot. And so that way, when you play live, you're relying on everything you've built over the years. And with investing, I think it's very similar is that you have to build a foundation so that you know what you're talking about. And then when you know what you're talking about, you can have a, a intelligent conversation with a lender or a broker or someone selling you the property or an investor. And that way, that comes with a foundation. I think if you just jump right in, you get your foundation, but you're also trying to figure it out as you go, and I think you're forced to maybe miss some steps along the way that maybe don't get as ingrained. So that's how I learn, you know. I don't think that's necessarily how everyone should learn. I had the fortunate um, timing in my world where I was making plenty of money in my job. Like I didn't have to leave my job to make real estate work. I think a lot yeah. of people are so sick of their job. they have to get out and their real estate's the only way. So they have to dive in and you better be lucky and make some money because it costs too much money to get involved in real estate. So yeah, I don't know that there's a right or wrong to that, but for me, it was absolutely the right way. I don't feel, I I feel like that was the way I should have done it. You know, I don't operate well with just diving into something, anything I do, I'm going to test it out and check it out first before I start investing, because especially investing in real estate, man, like I know people want to talk about investing with $0 down and everything, but it takes money to invest in real estate. And when we're buying $16 million properties, you better have some money involved um, to get into these large properties. So yeah, that's the long answer to your question. No, I I love the
1: answer. And the market has been pretty good for people to be able to make mistakes and jump in and not be ready. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's not always like that. And recently, especially if you jumped in and you weren't prepared you're probably getting burned pretty good right now. Uh mm-hmm. and I think these next few years will be the same story. If you're not gonna be prepared and you're just gonna jump in, there's a good chance it's just not gonna work for you. So don't count on luck. Be prepared. There's a ton of resources out there. So much out there. There's really no excuse, right? Um when you
0: were first learning, there was a lot less resources. <laughs> I talk about that all the time. Like now I mean, you can you can, you can jump on and listen to every podcast. You can read 20 books about investing yeah. and maybe those things were out there when I started, but I feel like. To a lesser extent. Yeah.
1: Chris, when I first started, I, and I didn't start that much earlier than you. I mean, I, I, I was learning my, my learning journey really started in about 20, 2006, 2006 okay. was my learning journey through about 2008. So two, I was the same 2006 to 2008 was my learning. And I really, really ramped up learning 2007 and through or mid 2008. I mean, that I was drinking from a fire hose, everything yeah. I could consume, but I was, I would go to the library and rent CDs to play them in my vehicle, you know, and I would find books. There was only I mean there's there was books but not what there is right now there was no at least that I don't think there was any such thing as a podcast in 2006. Um so things have changed there certainly wasn't bigger pockets all that kind of stuff. So so anyways there's no excuse for people uh, right now well, especially there's so down
0: much down. great you could do coaching now I mean I don't, yeah. Yeah. When I first started there wasn't really coaching I'm sure you would recommend if you could yeah. get a coach you could shortcut 10 years of your investing journey by someone telling you that's one thing I've learned. I I wish I would have jumped in with the coaching program probably I do too. back in the day. I do too. Because... I listened
1: to uh, David Lindell. I, mm-hmm. It was, it was 2008 and David Lindell came to the twin cities and spoke. And I said, I got to hire him as a coach. He was the only guy around by the way, at that mm-hmm. time. And I told my wife and at the time his program was $3,000 for just as, Boot camp, a weekend boot camp. And you had to fly to Boston, do the weekend boot camp, all that kind of stuff. And we didn't have money at the time. And my wife's like, no, you cannot, you cannot. And she's a big supporter of mine, but she's like, we can't, we can't afford it. So Mm. I didn't. And yeah, I I agree. Like that would have been super valuable to do that. Probably would have been way more worth its weight than, you know, just, just should have, should have done something like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I tell people all the time now. They'll ask me, people ask me questions, or ask me a book I'm reading, or they'll ask, you know, strategy on something. And after I give them an answer, sometimes you can tell they're kind of like, "Okay, cool." And I'm like, "Man, don't you realize? Like, my answer I just gave you has come with ten years of background to give you that specific answer, yeah. right? Like, that's that's the top of mind. That's exactly what I would do today. Um, and I've learned that from people, right? That If you go to someone who's an expert in your field and you ask them a question, know that they're not just making something up. And so if you have a coach, they've specifically thought, I'm going to have students come and now I'm going to give them this blueprint. That blueprint's not like made up. It's not something that they're like, well, maybe I'll make up a new blueprint for these students. That's what they've tried and failed and erred and succeeded through to then give you a lifetime of experience to go look for three grand, you know, if you would have paid Dave that, like, Here's his entire life's learning for $3,000. You could pretty much start your business on that expert advice and go from there and feel like you just skipped, you know, 10, 15 years of failing through. That to me is a, I, I, you know, I didn't really know about coaching when I started. I started kind of like I said, I just started calling people and getting to know people and understanding the industry through individuals. But I was also very quick to... If I called Todd and he had an answer about something, I would write it down and act on that. That was now a new blueprint for me. And I got that from everyone I started meeting in my life. Yeah. And I yeah. still do that today, honestly. I still look to people when I hear an expert and I'm like, that person sounds like they know what they're doing. I'll ask them specific questions and write really detailed notes when I get home. And that will be my new you know, playbook for that specific topic because clearly that person's playing the game better than I am. So learn from it and, and move forward.
1: Chris, people come onto this podcast and, and you, so you're, you came on this podcast to talk about what you're doing on your, your journey. And people that are listening to this, if they have advice or they, they want to get advice from you, they need to reach out, right? You're going to answer. And you're going to talk to them because by the, by the way, how many people on this podcast that are listening to this will actually take action to reach out. The vast majority won't, there might be one or two, the vast majority just don't. And that's just how it is. Like they, they're too shy. They feel bad. They don't think you'll talk to them. They think you're better than, than them. So you won't answer the phone or won't respond to an email or won't, you know, respond to their, their social media, or whatever. And that's not true. Like, so when Chris gives his contact information, like reach out to him. And that's what I say to every, like about every guest, like they they reach out to people. That's what you did. That's how you learn so much. You're like, I'm going to reach out. And by the way, what, what would you have done if I didn't answer the phone? Like if I, if you tried to reach out to me and I never contacted you, what have you done?
0: I I just called someone else. Honestly. I mean, (laughs) I, I called everybody. And the thing, I think most people, have a fear of sounding dumb Dumb? sounding stupid like you don't know what you're talking about and i did that plenty i literally called the president of a bank in texas and i was brand new i mean this was 2015. (laughs) i was trying to understand how commercial lending works my question probably went something like hey i'm just trying to understand how commercial loans work can you tell me about that and then i'd get my notepad out and i would just start taking notes and you know that's not what the president of the bank that's not the, the conversation they're used to having. They're used to having much more high-level conversation. But I don't know why this guy might have had 45 minutes on his schedule. And he's like, well, I mean, okay. And so he started answering my questions and walking me through the basics. Yeah. And to the point at the end, he's like, well, look, Chris, I'm happy to help. Like, why don't you go ahead and send over your PFS? And we'll just take a look and see what maybe you could qualify. And I'm like, yeah, totally. Uh, so a PFS, that's a, he's a like, personal financial statement? Sure. Yep. Okay. Uh-huh. I'll go ahead and send that. <laughs> and what's that exactly right and so these are basic finance tools by the way so yeah, yeah and so but i have nothing to lose this is you know for all intents and purposes some guy in texas at that point right he doesn't know who i am he's not going to come knock on my door and say hey chris you're an idiot don't waste my time yeah,
1: yeah. Why he gave you me the
0: that? time he could have simply said you know what this is a better conversation for like one of our junior levels why don't you get it you know email this guy and see if he'll talk to you but he had the time and i'll have the questions so I keep that to the, with me today, like be humble, know what, you know, but know that someone else always has something to give. And if you're willing to listen and ask and, and ask what might be a dumb question, you might get an answer that could change your life and direct you where you're going to go from that point forward. So you got to get out there and do it because it's just a, you know, for you, it's half an hour of your time and it could change your life. Yep.
1: Great advice. What's a lesson you've learned Maybe something negative that's happened, positive that's happened. What's a lesson you've learned from, you know, the film industry, Hollywood? Uh,
0: you know, just be just being involved in that type of business. Yeah, man, that's a good question. So, in in Hollywood, what we do is we tell stories, and we're creative types, and we, you know, we deal in in picture and music and emotion. And at the same time, there is a huge financial industry behind it, right? And I think what a lot of people in the TV industry and the film industry do is they only focus on the story and the emotion and the creative side. And I have always focused on the financial side as well. So I want to know, you know, ultimately, I tell people all the time and I, and I joke about it, but they think I'm joking, but I'm, I'm real. It's like, well, look, we really work for gatorade neutrogena pepsi and everyone kind of chuckles like i don't know what you're talking about i'm like well who do we ultimately work for is the advertisers are spending money to fund a tv show that then pays us right so if there's no advertiser or if our show does not support an ad budget or doesn't support gatorade advertising on that channel then it's not going to generate any money." And then we're not going to get paid, or the show's not going to get made in the first place. So that was a lesson I learned early was pay attention to the whole process goes up the chain. I'm using my hands if you're if you're listening. It's like there's a chain that goes up and up and up. And at the top of it is somebody paying for something. And now what I take for that into my real estate is look we ultimately serve a paying customer. There is a resident living in our unit that's paying rent. And if there's no resident to pay rent, then we're not supporting our property management. We're not getting certainly any profits at the end of the day. So it may be fun to own real estate and to have a house that you're decorating or an apartment complex that you're renovating and choosing what paint colors. But at the end of the day, there's a resident that's got to pay to live there. And if they don't feel happy living there, then your your chain is broken right at the top. So it's a very similar parallel to where I am in the TV industry. And so I think a lot of people in real estate, they get, and I had this experience just uh, about two months ago, we were walking a property we bought in Dallas and it's gray and green. And I'm like, man, that green should be blue. Like That's like, whatever it should be, like these accents aren't right. And I'm walking with one of our partners and he looks at me and he goes, man, that's not going to change if the residents around this area are going to rent here. And I'm like, you're right. So in the same way that we have to pay attention to our residents, we also have to pay attention to what we're doing on the property if that has no impact on the residents. Mm-hmm. So in my, t- I know I'm mixing up the stories, but in, in yeah. TV world, if something you're doing, isn't going to change if Gatorade is going to spend money on it, then don't give it too much effort or too much heartache when someone wants you to change something, because there's a top dollar and there's, there's a, there's a chain of command and where the money's coming in. So that's, that's one thing I learned that was kind of, it, it was surprising, but I've, I, I felt it impact me over the years, and then I took it with me over into real estate. Love that, love that.
1: What's a mistake um, you've made in in uh, business, real estate, um or in the Hollywood side? Uh, what's a mistake that you've made, and how have you learned from it? Ooh,
0: mistakes. So, one mistake I would say is during. This is kind of a personal. I guess would be on the personal branding and just exposure side. Really, during COVID. I had a lot of momentum going into COVID as far as, so what I I have a company called Amity Cashflow and we, we work with investors to buy apartments. And so me and my partners operate and buy properties and then we open it up to investors if they want to be passive owners. And going into COVID, there was this big question mark of like, what the heck is happening in real estate? What is going to happen? What's going to happen with apartments? What's going to happen with our residents? Are they going to pay rent? And I have to have people have to know who I am and what I'm doing in order for them to then invest with me in these apartments. And that was a very classic situation of, okay, as an operator, you need to let people know what you're doing. But in an unsure environment, what do you do? You either continue putting the pedal down and letting people know what you're doing and exposure, you know, increasing your exposure and letting people know what you're doing through COVID Or you do what I did, which was like bury your head in the sand and you keep very quiet through all of it. And i spent all my time focused on our properties that we had and making sure those were operating right. But I wasn't going out and letting people outside of those properties know. So if you're an investor in those properties, you're getting more emails than you ever were before. Mm -hmm. And, but everyone else, I spent a year and a half just kind of quiet. And then after COVID, everybody else thought you disappeared. Exactly. And so after COVID, you know, quote unquote, we come out of it and I'm like, man, we did great through all that. But now I feel like I was playing catch up. And so I'm trying to re 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 rebrand, relaunch, re-let people know this is what I'm doing. And by the way, I've been doing this for years and years and years. Oh, cool. I haven't seen you in like a year and a half. Are you still real estate investing? I'm like, oh, of course I am. I just didn't let you know about it. So that's something I I tell people all the time, like you got to keep your pedal down, let people know what you're doing, it would have been better to let people know what was happening through COVID, even outside of my my specific investors in those deals. I think I was just scared that what happens if things don't go great? And now I'm letting everyone know, hey, things aren't going great. And there's that fear that if you tell people things aren't going well, that you, know, you won't look good, quote unquote, or it won't look good for your brand. And I still don't know how I feel about that. That's the tricky one. It's like, you still need to let people one. know the reality of things. And I think that there's too much gloss, you know, too much shine on real estate investing, that it all goes well. And then you don't hear the stories about when a drunk driver crashes into one of your units or when, you know, a pipe bursts or pipes freeze. We had a property freeze in Texas. Freaking Texas, man. Pipes freeze in Texas because last, yeah. you know, last year, well, not last year before it froze. So yeah, there's there's a lot of hard things that go on. And I think people should hear about that because that's part of the risk involved in real estate. And that's something I spend a lot of time, like now if an investor calls me and they're looking to invest with me, sometime in that first onboarding call, we're going to talk about the risks of real estate. And if we don't get to it because we're running out of time, I'm going to send them a video and a list of all the risks investing in real estate because it's important to know the good and the bad and what you're getting into before you write a large check, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, um, I think a lot of people have done a disservice to that where it, it's, it's almost like, oh, you just can't go wrong. Like, you yeah. invest in real estate, you're, you're going to make a bunch of money. And that's true a lot of times, mm-hmm. but not all the time. Right. And there's going to be a deal or, or two or three that go south. I had a podcast guest on uh, a few years ago and you know he talked about his deals and i think he had 10 deals and three of them went completely upside down and lost everybody's money and now had you invested in all 10 of his his deals you would have done really well but if you invested in just those three or one of those three and that was it you lost everything Mm -hmm. um that's just the risk right yeah but it does
0: bring up a great point to you know people talk about diversification And I think that one thing I did similar to in my TV career, I worked for a lot of different production companies across the entire industry. So I constantly had different experiences and I could grow from one person Mm -hmm. or get hired from another. So I was never relying on one source of income from one production company to work for. And then in apartments, I invested with a lot of different operators to get a sense of, oh, how does this person work? How does this person work? How does this person work? What do I like about them? What do I dislike about them? And then eventually when I started my own company, I would take all of that education that I had with my money on the line, not just talking to people, but at some point my money was involved in deals. And by the way, you pay way more attention to your investments when your money is in the line, right? You you learn, or to your education, I mean, you'll, yeah. you get way more out of your education when your money is involved, but I invested with a lot of different people. And then I took all that and kind of built what I wanted my company to be and how I wanted to talk to my investors and what I wanted to portray to people. So,
1: yeah, by the way, if you've got a good job and you want to learn about this industry, that's a fantastic way to do it. The way you did it, uh, gr- agree with me? Like, that's a fantastic way to get a great education
0: Absolutely. and earn some money too. yeah yeah and i think you know to your point before if if you have all of it with one person or with one deal like i have people all the time call me like oh, i got you know 200 grand i want to put in a deal i'm like cool is this your first deal or one of your first great just put 50 into this deal save the rest and put it into multiple deals spread it out um because yeah if you spread it out and you have different operators and different markets and different types of properties i've been big on diversifying within multifamily. so i have multifamily investments in different stages some are value add deals some are more core assets I'm in a development deal you know we have a bunch of acreage in Austin we're building multifamily so being in multi multiple sectors within one asset class is my way to diversify I'm not buying self-storage and single families and multifamily I stay in my lane but that's because I'm hyper focused on that so it's a way to diversify without getting too scattered Yep. Yep. love it
1: uh what's a what's a daily habit that you've you've uh created or that that you just you do or you have to do or nothing
0: a daily habit so I don't have a lot of daily habits but I'll tell you my daily mindset because that's basically my daily habit and my daily mindset is i don't know well so I have two really. One is the speed at which I operate. I push really hard. I push, my my motto for this year is sprint. So I I try to act quickly and go all in on things because I have so much momentum behind it at this point. I'm not flailing about, I'm very focused. So when I decide on something, I move on it quickly and, and hard. Um, but the other thing that I have is my mindset is I always want to be better and more professional than anyone else around me as much as I can. And I'm constantly motivated and pushed by my peer group because my peer group has expanded to people of such high level that we constantly are pushing each other. So if I see a piece of social media content out from someone else, I'm like, man, I should put out two in their place, right? Or I should have a more high quality one. And I really put in a, a big effort in the last year to put out high quality social media content. So if you're finding me on social media, I hope you'll actually learn something and it'll be an enjoyable process and you'll see something that's high quality and potentially, you know, my goal, higher quality than anyone else around me. And I want my investments to be the same way. I want people to see my investments and go, wow, this is a great deal. I'm like, yeah, it is a great deal because we passed on all those other deals. And this is why this deal is phenomenal, right? Like we're buying it almost half price to the market, or we have four hundred dollars You know, rent deltas that we can gather. So I try to act as professional and as high quality as I can in everything I do. And what that does is it's not necessarily a daily habit, but it takes every single item in my checklist, anything I'm doing that day, and I'm thinking, how do I make this even better? Like, how do I make this more better than anyone else around me? And if I'm not doing it at that quality, you know, I look back and like, man, I should have done that better. I should have been better at that. And it keeps pushing me and driving myself forward. So, that's my my non habit, but that's my daily habit. Love it.
1: Love it. Uh okay, a couple last questions, and then we're gonna wrap sure. up, man. This is this has been good. Um, what's a favorite book you can recommend? Or or something you're reading right now?
0: Man, I read a lot. So it's tough to pick a favorite book. I tell people, you know, if you're looking for a quick primer on real estate, I'll give you these three. I always start with the um Millionaire Real Estate Investor or something like that by Gary Keller. Um, Then if you're looking for apartments, read Crushing It by, um, I'm drawing a blank on his name, Crushing it's black and red book. And then if you're looking to dive deep into syndication, Joe Fairless's book uh, on syndication. But what am I reading right now? I'm reading The Coming Wave, which is about AI and Mm. um, synthetic biology. Which is very futury, but I've been really into AI in the last year and kind of learning how that has been going. And this book is very recent and written by a very incredible author that's in the space. So seeing how the future is going to be shaped by that and the the speed at which things are moving, I think has been incredible. And yeah, getting a, a deep dive into that. It's not real estate focused at all, but it's been an amazing well, read. but it's going to
1: affect yeah. real estate certainly
0: i think so i mean i yeah. think there's no way it doesn't the, the speed at which these neural nets and everything make things go in the learning process and the the price point at which computing is getting to you know computing gets so much cheaper and cheaper over the years and that just makes these things speed up so yeah. and that's kind of a random book it's called the coming wave it has nothing to do with real estate but it will eventually Love um, <laughs> what um speaking
1: of the coming wave what's your crystal ball looking like what are you guys doing what are you what are you preparing for in 2024 2025 like
0: where it goes out so we are focusing on basically i'm i do not want to be buying i want to be buying with a lot of downside protection i think Rule number one, don't lose money, right? How do you not lose money in real estate? You buy at a cheap enough price, you buy with enough space between where your rents are now and where they could potentially be. Um, I see people buying a lot of properties where when I look at the numbers, I'm like, your rents are already pretty high. Well, yeah, we think there's room to grow them. I'm like, based on what? Well, you know, the 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 market's growing. You know, there's a lot of jobs coming in. I'm like, yeah, but you're already at the top of the market. Where we're buying properties is where we're buying them at a cheap price point because we're buying them off market with long-term relationships with brokers. The last two properties we bought, one of them was 100% off market, no broker. We bought it for literally 40 to 50% off of market price, what's trading literally across the street. So finding deals like that gives you significant downside protection because it's hard to go lower than when you're buying it. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing we're doing is buying it with rents that are way below what the current market is. With room to grow with a very clear path of here's how we're going to take our rents today let's say from 800 and get them up to 1200 meanwhile market rent might be 1300 so if we can hit 1200 and hit all our numbers that's a win for us and knowing that even if rents across the market soften from 1300 down to 1200 well we're only trying to get there in the first place and we're trying to get there three years from now so those are the deals i'm looking for Um, i'm not trying to buy aggressive deals today that's what i think is the the best play crystal ball and like where things are going you know interest rates have certainly softened and even dropped a little bit i don't know that they're gonna drop off a cliff um like they certainly rose up a cliff in the past year and a half so i don't think that they drop as fast as they they increased so i think you have to look at your numbers really tightly and see look if we can hit our numbers with current interest rates then i think that you're okay i don't think interest rates jump up a huge amount from here but yeah, hard, to, hard hard to believe they do but i don't know yeah i think we got in such a tough spot in the last 3 years with what happened in the economy and yeah. all the free money that came out i gave a i gave a presentation uh, about 3 weeks ago on, on inflation and the economy and how inflation impacts rents and how it works really well to be a multifamily operator while inflation's happening because basically what happens is inflation goes up rents go up along with it and then inflation drops back down so inflation was up at like nine percent now i think it's at four but rents went up 20 percent and dropped one percent in the last year so they're not and rents don't drop off to match inflation it's like rents go up and then they stay generally up so i want to continue buying multifamily um we didn't buy as much in the last couple years but I think that this year there will be deals to be had. I think the challenge, though, is that there's so much money sitting on the sideline waiting to buy those deals that I don't know that they will be, quote unquote, on sale, you know, because you're waiting for on sale deals. I'm waiting for on sale deals. Everyone else I know in our peer group is waiting for those deals. Right. when they happen and they go, Hey, this one's on sale for 70 a door. Like, well, I'll pay 75. I'll pay 80 for that. And it's still a deal. Well, you'll pay, I'll pay 85. Right. And it just goes up in price. So yep. I mean, it'd be interesting to see as, as a lot of deals come on the market. Uh, I think people have been talking a lot about how a lot of these loans are coming due this year and they have to sell, um, So if you can get first to look at those or get those off market before they hit the market, that's how we bought our deal in Dallas recently. It didn't even hit the market. and That's where I think
1: most of the deals will happen. They won't even touch the market.
0: Yep. And so for that, you have to have really strong relationships. You have to have really strong financials in order ready to buy those properties. And that's what we built over the last few, you know, for me, it's been a number of years having really strong relationships in each different market. So that's where I see everything maybe going maybe (laughs) in air quotes.
1: (laughs) If we only knew, right. All right, Chris, what's your uh, last question? What are your three pillars of wealth creation?
0: Three wellers of three pillars of wealth creation for me have been, uh, well, I would say relationships is a huge pillar for me because I've built a lot of my wealth based on relationships, partnerships that I've, created in specific markets. Um, and then my second pillar is, is multifamily, is investing in real estate, but specifically multifamily. That's where most of my money goes. I have sure I have money spread out in the stock market and other investments, but the majority of it goes to my bread and butter, what I understand, what I focus on, which is multifamily. And that goes with those relationships, right? I lean on partners and I work with partners that are focused in their market and we buy properties together. And then the third one, I would say, I think wealth is is a legacy term. It's a, what passes on beyond you and my family around me, but specifically my son right now, who's eight, I also have a a baby daughter as well, but my son, I'll give you a great example. The other day, he's doing a a project in class about uh, careers and they're supposed to research a career and turn in a sheet of paper to their teacher. And here's, you know, here's what a TV editor does. Here are three tasks that they do. And here's, you know, what kind of school you need to go to. And he started asking me about a TV editor position and how, you know, what are the tasks you need to do? And and I go, and my wife is in the room and I go, well, buddy, why don't you do, have you thought about doing investor? He goes, I already know all that stuff, dad. I go, really? I'm like, what are the tasks an investor does? He goes, well, you got to go out and find a buyer. You got to find the right property that the numbers make sense. You have to communicate the numbers to your investors and you have to know math. Those are your three tasks. And I was like, whoa. And he rattled them off as quickly as I just said them. And my wife looked over at me like, thumbs up, right? Like you've done a great job passing this information and this education to an eight-year-old. I'm like, this guy is going to be dangerous when he gets 18, right? (laughs) He understands it that way. To me, that is a pillar of wealth, knowing that I'm doing all this work and building all this so that I can pass that on. And not just like the dollars, right? The dollars are one thing, but the information and the education that he can go forward and support his life with this investor mentality. Even if he goes and does another job, he has the mentality that we should be investing money and you should find vehicles to invest your money and make your capital multiply. So that's my third pillar. Love it.
1: Love it. And kudos for you for that, because a lot of people, I think, just want to pass the money down to their kids. They they don't think about what you just mentioned there, and it's about passing that knowledge down. That's that's going to do more good than than anything. So, they can make the money. They don't need that. They need the knowledge. So,
0: appreciate it absolutely.
1: Well, cool, uh, Chris. Look, really appreciate appreciate all, all all the information. How can our listeners get in touch with you?
0: Uh, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, my website is Amity Cashflow, A A-M- Mary, I-T-Y, Amity Cashflow. Uh, if you went on there, Amity Cashflow slash ebook, you can get a download, a free ebook that'll show you kind of the process of investing in a syndication, which is what I do, multifamily syndication. I'm on all the social media at Amity Chris Collins. And if you went to my website, there's a contact tab that you can book a phone call with me. Um... Todd was mentioning earlier I, I get on talk with investors all the time from very advanced to been investing for years to people who are new and we have a different conversation every time so happy to help you out wherever you are if you want to get invested in apartments happy to help if you're just trying to if you're new like I was and you're trying to help understand some terms and Chris what the heck is a cap rate yeah you know <laughs> I can help you understand that so uh that's kind of my way to give back i've i've received so many countless hours of help from people just like you, Todd. So I I give back as much as I can. And if people just want to get back, you know, get down to, Hey, let's get invested in some deals. Great. Got that. We can do that. If you're just learning, happy to help you any way I can.
1: Awesome. Chris, again, really appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining us. And you have a fantastic
0: rest of the day. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.